I'm here with Nalini Joshi at the International Congress of Mathematicians in Rio. Nalini, you've just been elected Vice President of the International Mathematics Union. Can you tell us a bit about what the IMU does and how it's involved in this Congress that we're at today? The IMU is the body that runs all the Congresses. Um, it is uh, charged with, I think, three major directions of work for mathematical sciences. The first is to recognize and support excellence in mathematics. A second part is to communicate and improve education and outreach of mathematics. And the third part is the internationalization of mathematics in the sense that uh, we first of all are part of an international structure through the Science Council, the International Science Council, but also through the work of the CDC, the Commission for Developing Countries, where we try to help and support mathematical education and research in underdeveloped countries, in developing countries. So those are the three parts that I see most as most prominent. It is also the body that uh, charges a program committee. It, it, it's, first of all, it selects the location and the team that will hold the next ICM. And that at the, the very recent uh, past um, General Assembly, that was going to be chosen to be Russia. And that will be in 2022 in St. Petersburg. So first of all, it has to call for nominations for the ICM and choose the right location and the right team to do it. Then it sets up various committees that uh, have the task of choosing the sections that will be presented at the ICM, the prize winners at the ICM, the, uh, and the program in general, the invited speakers, the plenary speakers and so on. So it is totally embedded in and authorizes all of these different aspects of the ICM. And so this Congress is the first one in South America and you yes. just said that the next one in 2022 will be in Russia. What sorts of ideas and thoughts are behind the choice of the location? Right. So I, you have to remember I'm not on the executive yet, so I'm just speaking in a, as an outsider. Um, so the three, perhaps three considerations, major considerations are that, first of all, um, the team bidding for the ICM should have the right infrastructure in place. Um, so, you know, uh, the location, the facilities, the halls, um, and support from the government for this enterprise. Support means not just that they might help with um, all kinds of infrastructure or with um, facilitating uh, attendance, but also maybe other things. So the Russian uh, bid, for example, considered the question of ease of access for foreigners coming into Russia and have promised to provide visa-free entry, like they did with the World Cup, that the registration for the ICM will be sufficient to automatically get a visa. And that was very persuasive uh, for the attendees at the General Assembly. I think as another part of it is to do with um, whether the event, the actual holding of the ICM, will have a beneficial effect on that country's mathematical landscape. And that means not just uh, you know, whether prize winners might turn out to be 
from that region, but uh, in particular to do with mathematical outreach in raising the awareness of mathematics and mathematics education in inspiring the next generation. Um, I think at Seoul there were something like 20,000 high school students who entered a competition to come and attend the ICM and there were such enthusiastic participants. I'm sure there's been long-standing ripples uh, flowing out from that uh, activity. So I said three but I think those were the two main parts. Um, but also it looks at whether or not it's time for that region to get it. So I think it's been over 40 years since Russia was last the host of an ICM, whereas many other European countries have had more than one go at holding an ICM. So it was felt that it was time to share that to Russia. And why are meetings such as the ICM important in the mathematical world? I can only speak personally, but I find it a mind-blowing experience to hear so many different parts of mathematics that I don't normally hear at a conference, because I tend to go to conferences that intersect closely with my own interests, research interests, and even when I go to national meetings, I tend to go to you know, one of many parallel sessions that's most closely aligned with the things I do, even if I hear one or two plenary talks that might be closer. I don't tend to hear about everything. So that's one part of it that I find mind-blowingly great. But I think the other part I find amazing is when I sit there and I hear people talking about a very high level of mathematics, say for example a Fields Medal lecture, I'm still able to see that there are echoes and uh, kind of like connections to things that I do, which I never expected before I went to the, my first ICM, which was in Hyderabad in India in 2010. That persuaded me that this is a really good event to come to, to encourage younger people to come to. Um, so it's kind of like uh, the gray cells in my brain get fired up and, and then there are these sort of tingles of, oh my God, I hadn't considered that side of what moduli spaces might be and how that might impact on the work that I do. And that's not an empty statement. I'm not trying to praise abstraction for its own sake. I'm trying to say there is something deep there which I find very, very uh, encouraging. Uh, and then the last but not the least part is that uh, to an ICM, uh, attendees at an ICM come from all over the world. I meet people from certainly from the major countries like India and so on, but also I meet people from Cameroon, Nigeria, um, uh, from Kampuchea, places that I would not normally see attendees from or talk to even at breakfast, for example. Um, and I find that really very, very um, generous in its intent to reach mathematically to everywhere in the world. And Nalini, your work is in uh differential equations, difference equations. What attracted you to working in that area of mathematics? Um, so I work on particular kinds of nonlinear such equations. These have very special properties uh, that lead them to be called integrable systems. Um, I think when I was young, I was attracted to this area because of the promise of predictability. So we have many, many nonlinear systems that are arising in all kinds of models of the world, but you don't expect them to be 
integral. They are chaotic, ergodic in certain locations or places. Um, they have statistical properties that we can try and capture. But in this context with integrable systems, you can actually get um, a finite way of characterizing all the properties that the solutions might have, even though they are uh, extraordinarily highly transcendental objects and functions. Um, so I try to say to people, uh, an analogy for this is, if you were, say, studying numbers, mathematics starts with integers, counting and, and then integers, and then operations like uh, multiplication and division lead to rational numbers, and then solving quadratics and so on lead to algebraic numbers, and then beyond all of that are transcendental numbers like pi or e. And you can't write them as a finite expression in terms of previously known numbers and operations. So the functions I work on are like pi. That you can't write them down in terms of previously known functions, but that doesn't mean we can't find out more and more about them. And the more you find out, the more mysterious and enticing they become. And that's why I work on them, because they're so compelling. So the equations you study appear in other areas of mathematics and maybe mathematical physics, that's kind of thing. Yes, but not only do they appear, they appear universally, often, as a universal model in certain contexts. And Nalini, you helped establish something called SAGE, Science yes. in Australia Gender Equity Programme. Can you tell us the aims of that programme? Right. So SAGE was set up to support, encourage and retain women in the sciences, in particular in STEM areas, science, technology, engineering, mathematics and medicine in Australia. And we set that up through the Australian Academy of Science because I persuaded the Academy that that monotonic decline you see in the percentage of scientists who are female um, is something that needs their attention. That if they are to support excellent science in Australia, that requires us to support diversity as well. Because you can't have true excellence without a diverse population undertaking that science. Um, and the first part of this uh, case that we made, myself along with Brian Schmidt, who's the Nobel Prize winner in physics in Australia, um, was to bring the Athena Swan program to Australia. This is a very well-known UK program, um, to try out a pilot of that program in Australia to see if it needed adaptation or whether different solutions were possible. So that's what it's doing at the moment. Thank you very much, Nalini. We hope you enjoy the rest of the Congress. Thank you very much, Rachel.